You're listening to an Aaron's Books podcast. Hey guys, it's Aiden of Aiden's Books, and I'm here with Mommy. Welcome to Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books. Our episodes are recorded first via video. For the full experience, check out the video interview on my Facebook page, Aiden's Books. Next, you'll hear Mommy doing the interview. Thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books podcast, where we believe that books are magic and have the power to transform homes. Hi, Dr. Sheila. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm phenomenal. (laughs) That is wonderful. I'm so excited to have you um, because on this podcast, we talk to the authors behind the books, behind the magic to find out their true intention behind the books. And I have one of your books here, Mommy's Little Sunshine. (laughs) For all the boy moms of the world, this is a pure treat, but we will get into it. I want to introduce you all to Dr. Sheila Thomas. Um, She is a founder of Thomas Educational Consulting and Training and Great Day Publishing. She has worked in her early childhood field for over 30 years as a teacher, college professor, Bright from the Start trainer and CD, CDA specialist. We really appreciate all of your experience and love that you're here to speak with us tonight. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here to share with you my books and just anything about parenting and her sons. Yes, anything. And I know I told <laughs> Dr. Shield before we got started, because it's funny, guys, and I didn't even finish reading your bio, but we met on Clubhouse. Yes. And I, from the moment that I heard Dr. Shelley speak, I was in awe of all of her experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's goals. Like everything that you're doing with literacy, um, speaking about the importance of child development, advocating for our children, um, pouring into our, our boys, um, black and brown boys, mm-hmm. um, is just beautiful to me. And I was just like, you know, I feel like she may not see me as on the same page as her, but I'm like, we're on, like, we're trying to do the same things and yes. I need to link up. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, we need to connect. Yes, I love what you're doing. Amazing. You're a younger version. I'm the older version. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here um, learning from you tonight. So, um, I'm not even going to read the rest of your bio because I feel like we're going to get into it. But I will tell you that um, Dr. Sheila um, has written, she's written two children's books. Three. And she has a coloring book of affirmation um, for boys titled Yes, I Can. And an inspirational book for women um, called Wait, W-A-I-T, Women Anticipating Incredible Turnaround. Um, and I love that because what you may not know about me is I also um, admin and regularly speak to a single mom group. Um, and so one of the things that we pour into that community community is um, encouragement and empowerment. And so that book would be just an awesome fit for that. But that's not for here tonight. So. <laughs> We're talking about that later. <laughs> yes. So I feel like I said quite a bit, but what did I miss? Tell us a bit more about yourself. 
Well, first of all, um, I love what I do. I've been in education forever, seems, you know, 31 years teaching, you know, at the college level, continue to do that. I'm retired, but I'm not. I'm not retired. I continued to teach in the school system part-time with our black and brown boys because I knew there was a need. I continued to teach literacy at the college and supervise the student teachers. And I love it. Just can't let it go. Uh, I'm a wife. I don't think I mentioned that part. I'm a wife <laughs> of an amazing um, a husband. He is a, in a, a pastor. Um, he has been in ministry for years and he's my, my biggest fan. He supports everything I do. And a mother of three sons, a 34-year-old, a 30-year-old, and a 17-year-old who I just got off the phone encouraging about his exams and some grades. So I just, I'm like, son, I got to hurry up. I got an interview, but I needed to pour into him for a moment. So, uh, and I have a 14-year-old grandson. So love what I do, love working with children, love working with parents. And I want to give parents the things, and I haven't been the perfect parent. I'm not here to say that I have been. But I love giving parents the things that I've done to assure that my sons can be successful. I do applaud that my son, my 30-year-old, has his PhD from University of California, Irvine. He got it last May. And that was because all the work that I had for him to do and encouraging him to be successful. So those are the things that I do. And that's who I am. And my main focus is I'm a lover of Jesus Christ. I love what he does for me. Yes, ma'am. I love it. Glory to God. So... I just want to say that this is a, this is another reason why your goals. I have one son, Aiden, he's seven. And um, I don't take take lightly what I'm doing in his life right now. But I also know that um, parenting is not easy. He's only seven and there's so much more time to go. <laughs> mm, to the teenage years. Okay. Yeah, so I really appreciate my kid. Uh, uh, my different communities and things like that, that love to, to hear from us and take my book recommendations and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, Aiden's only seven and um, we have not seen the, well, we see results and people, I feel like people, when they speak with Aiden or when he gets on live and things like that, they can tell what reading to him from mm -hmm. the womb has done for his vocabulary, for the way that he presents himself, the way just the way that he just carries himself. Right. But to sit here with you who has been doing it from you reading to them from the womb. Yes. And then bringing them up to 30 years old with a PhD. Like <laughs> <laughs> that is just, that is beautiful. Thank so you. if, so I told y'all that we were going to, y'all know how we are here, <laughs> right? We're <laughs> I told her we were going to go off of these default questions. Right. So I just want to know if you had to give one tip to parents of young black and brown boys right now. And there's a reason why I'm separating that. We can talk more about that later to young to mothers of young black and brown boys. What what would that be? What would that tip be? My main tip of the thing that I would like to tell parents is support your sons with positive affirmations. We have to build them up. Because the world is so against them. There's so many things that they're fighting against. So they need their mothers to build them up, to give them that confidence they need and that support they need. That is exactly what my son called me from school for. Mama, I made this grade. You know, I need some encouragement. 
you know, I want, he has like a high, a, a high B. <laughs> he wants an A, you know, yeah. what can I do to get that? And I just don't feel right. I'm doing the best or I'm as smart. So encourage your children every day, several times a day in many different ways. Send them text messages. I'm so proud of you. Yes, you can. You're a king. You got this. Just those simple words of affirmation. My son has a thing, um, a picture. I, 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 well, not a picture, where I wrote, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. And I put it on his bathroom mirror. He moved it off the mirror and now he has it slap on the wall. I'm like, are you going to take that now? It's been up now about two months, but he leaves it there. And it's just written in print, nothing fancy. So just always encourage your sons, you know, yeah, read to them. That's important. Um, take them on vacations, you know, spend money on them. But the best thing you could do is give them that confidence and that support they need. Be their biggest fan. Thank you for that. Thank you. So many things that I, I want to unpack there because one of the main things that we talk about here on this podcast and in our communities is that sometimes um, us as moms or if any fathers are watching, sometimes, you know, adulting is hard. We go through quite a bit. Um, and sometimes we're not in the correct mental space in order to have those positive words to give to our children. Um, and that's when I encourage parents to use books. Like if you do not have, if, if you're coming home after a long day and all you want to do is just take off your clothes and get in the bed, you don't want to see, talk to nobody, make anybody dinner, do bath time, none of that. Right. Um, but you still want to be able to pour into your child. This is the power and the magic of a children's book. Being able to take a book, a well-chosen book like uh, your books, especially uh, Mommy's Little Sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, and just read that book and the words are so powerful and our children love to hear that. So when you, so parents out there, when you don't have the words for your children, the tip that Dr. Sheila gave, if you don't have the words, pick up a book and utilize that as a tool to give your, to give yourself the words to, to feed to your child. Right. So thank you for the work that you were doing in books. Thank we love you. it. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and this book, I don't know if you have that one, JR's Biggest Fan. Yes. Now, this book is one that really inspires children to don't give up because there's an affirmation that's repeated throughout the story. And it's about a mom, again, a mom and her son, and mm -hmm. about the son doing different activities. And when he wasn't successful after each activity he participated in, his mom would cheer him on by saying, son, don't give up. I know you can. Remember, I'll always be your biggest fan. And that's repeated throughout the story. And kids love this book, you know, and I had little bracelets made for it and everything. And it's just encouraging children to say, I can do it. And for moms to repeat to their children, yes, you can. And there's a story about um, one of my classmates. She bought this book for her grandson and he had to go to the hospital. He was sick and his grandmother was all nervous. And he told her, mama, it's grandmama. It's okay. I'm just like JR in the story. JR is the title of the book for my sons. I'm just like JR. I know I can. I won't give up, grandmother. So I see it's making an impact on children's lives. Just those simple little words. And this is a true story. It's about my sons and it's things that they participated in. And at the end, something that they both chose to do, which is uh, to play in the band. <laughs> 
Are all your books, they're all about your sons, right? <laughs> yes, this is about my son and the other, of course, a mother to son. And then the coloring book is, you know, an affirmation book for boys. And I base it as an educator, those I can statements. You know, I can do this. I can do that. So the color, I can jump up high. I can count to 100. And then, of course, it has the numbers 100 so they can count when they're doing it. So if they keep repeating the statements, I can, I can, I can, I can, it becomes a habit. And they'll continue to say, I can. Yes, I can. I can try. And if they fail, they say, well, I'll do it again. So it's encouraging parents with the um, JR's biggest fan. It's encouraging mamas to tell their sons, yes, you can. You can do it. And again, that's the conversation I just held with my 17-year-old. Yes, you can, son. You can make the grades. We have the final exams coming up. These are the things that you and I are going to do this weekend to assure that you're ready to take those um, final exams. Ah, so present. And um, I'm sorry, so many things. So thank you for sharing that, number one. Um, number two is I love... This is why I love sitting here and talking to authors and finding out their true intentions behind the books, because when we read these books, we're not thinking about everything that you, you know, put into it and just picking up your coloring book unless you wrote like a letter to parents or something like that in the beginning. We don't know all the thoughts like this. So thoughtful, all the the aspects that you sat back and thought about putting into these books for parents to use. Um, so I enjoyed hearing everything that went into um, into the books. And I love, we talk about shared experience, mm -hmm. how books give us shared experiences with our children. And when you have those, uh, the repetition, like you having uh, JR's biggest fan, something that you can draw on together at a later time is an excellent bonding experience, right? Yes. And so the two of you know, like you can, you both got this little secret now, like, you know, you know, where it's from, right. you know, like when you repeat that um, to, to your child or your child says it later and that's a win, that's a mommy win, right? When, yes. you hear, when you hear him say it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Because I've heard him say it. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You know, and even my oldest son um, and the books are about both of them. But even my oldest son there, you know, I always had this um, from the book. I love you forever. I love you for always. Mm -hmm. And that's always been repeated. And I know when he went off first, he went to Morehouse College and I wrote hit a little letter to him you know, on his journey to Morehouse. And I, around the border, I wrote the little affirmation. I love you forever. I love you for always. And as long as you're living my baby, you'll be. And he'll repeat that sometimes. He'll bring that up sometimes, you know, and with, with them both, I would give them an um, affirmation um, with my youngest, you're the best and you continue to get better. Letting him know you're doing the best that you can right now, but there's always room to get better. So that's always repeated with him. I'll say, all right, you know what? You're the what? I'm the best mama. And you're always going to, I'm always getting better. So it's embedded in them, you know, and that's why I tell parents, you have to pour into them. And then you mentioned how as families or as moms, you know, and dads, we're, we live a stressful life. I mean, it's stress every day, but it's how we um, release that stress that makes a difference. You know, spending time with our children can be a stress reliever. Reading those books and sitting that child on your lap, especially a young child with that bun, that was the most 
oh man, I just those memories. I just it, I just went back for a minute could envision my sons, and <laughs> I never forget my sons would drag like ten books in the room to. <laughs> <laughs> and I would read some and I would tuck some behind a chair somewhere. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah, you gotta go to bed. <laughs> and they would holler, read, read. So it's what you pour into them. You know, so a lot of parents, I tell them just take the time. But I think a lot of the issue is a lot of parents don't understand the importance. They know it's important to read, but un- don't understand the importance of them laying that foundation early to teach their children to read. So that's one thing that I'm encouraging parents to do is really um, spend that time and, and just read to your children, sing to your children, talk to your children, play silly games, take a walk outside with your children. All those ways to one makes a difference in your children's lives. It does. It it all makes a difference. And uh, it's so funny because uh, like I'll have friends and family comment on how much Aiden loves to read, Um, you know, and they're like, well, you started when he was when he was young and you started. You've been doing it for a long time. Just start where you are. If you're at a point you want to speak more on that. No, I just say (laughs) (laughs) if you're at a point and you're like, well, my kids 10 or 12 or whatever age or eight and you know um they're not engaged just if you just start today start with a poem they're sitting at the kitchen table you notice they're still eating but you're done just pick up a pick up anything and just start to read it start mm-hmm. to read it and they'll listen they'll perk up even if you know and it, it take it does take time mm-hmm. to get them used to the fact that okay we're sitting down for a story now right. but we have to we have to begin modeling reading in order for them to adapt to it mm-hmm. you know there's a quote um and I see it go around quite a bit uh the a love for reading starts in the lap of a parent yes. or something mm-hmm. like that right yes. mm-hmm. and so if they're too big for your lap just think about it like this. Think about it like this. The love for reading starts because you're modeling reading for them right. and you're showing them that reading can be fun, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, oftentimes and it can be annoying sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. Sure. I know. I'll sit down with my book. You know, I'm like, let me let me read my book. And he's like, can you read me a book? And I'm like, listen, <laughs> it's my turn. You read and I read. OK, I'm trying to read this romantic thriller. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And you want me to read, but yeah, that that's good. I had a there was um a woman who we spoke to before, just what you said about the 10 books. Mm-hmm. And she had a system for that. She would start with a really fast-paced book, mm-hmm. and then she would go down to like a, you know, and then yeah. she would end with a bedtime book. Yeah. And she was like that. She was like, that way, I'm, as long as I knew I did the work during the day, like I let them get their play out. Yeah. I let them like they're tired, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they might come to bed with 10 books, (laughs) but my system is going to lead them into eyes closed. Right. That's good. That's good. That's good. And I love that you said, um, you know, wherever they are, that's where you begin. You know, we as teachers, we know that, you know, we take the children, we assess them, find out what what levels they're on. And then we go ahead and work with that child to assure their successes. Same thing with parenting, with parents reading to their children or spending that quality time. A lot of parents say, I just don't know how to do it or what to do. 
you know, and that's where I come to play with my parent coaching, but that's another conversation, but showing parents, okay, well, this is how you read a book, make it fun. You read a page, let the child read the next page or stop and let them say a word, you know, make it an enjoyable experience. And if the child says, I don't want to read a book, well, you say, well, okay, tell me why not or what books interest you. You first have to communicate. I think that is a key point that's missing in a lot of homes is that communication, talking about it, you know, sharing those experiences. And then in order to also uh, come into engaging with reading, start singing with your little children and, and just saying silly things with them. Make it an enjoyable experience instead of, all right, come on, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. Make washing clothes fun. You know, if you have an eight-year-old um, teaching them to sort the colors, all right, let's get all the blues. Or, well, hopefully they know their colors by that age, but, you know, the younger ones. Let's you never all- know. Yeah, the, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the four-year-olds, I'll back it down. Let's get all your blues. Let's get all the red. So making everything an enjoyable experience. So when it's time to get to reading, you can say, all right, now it's our reading time. Finding those special places to read. Yeah, you want to read on a lap, but make a tent with the bed. Get under the covers with a flashlight and read a book. You know, tell your eight-year-old, okay, you know what? I want to read a book with you, but we're going to go outside and we're going to do it on the blanket under the stars at night. And your kid probably look eight year old like, what is wrong with my mama? But they'll be, you know, excited about that. You know, get get in the empty swimming pool and just sit there and read. You know, it's wintertime, pretend like we're in the pool reading in the middle of winter. Something to make it engaging and, you know, exciting for your children where they want to read. So that is what I encourage parents to do make it a fun and enjoyable experience and not just like it's a chore. All right. 7.30, let's read these books. No, it shouldn't be a chore. It should be an exciting time. Yes, you should have an allotted time for it, but it shouldn't be a chore. It should be a time where you say, baby, it's 7.30. It's time to read our books. Are you ready? And they could say, well, where are we going to read at today, mama? You know, to make it very, very, you know, something they're interested in. That's so good. And, I, you know, we talk about how to get the kids engaged in story time all the time. And I feel like there's a lot of myths out there about what story time is supposed to look like, you know, and parents get overwhelmed with just the thought of reading to their children because they have all these myths in their head. Like my kid needs to be sitting still when I'm reading aloud. No. Your kid does not need to be sitting still. Aiden is a bounce about kid. I mean, he is Spider-Man in action. And some most of the time when I'm reading to him and I'll be like, we're sitting in his bed, he's standing up. Right. Like trying to do a pose or a cartwheel or some Spider-Man thing, but he's listening. Right. You will be surprised how much they are taking in and retaining when they have busy hands or busy bodies. And there are so many things that your kids can be doing. If you're having trouble keeping them engaged while you're reading, they can be playing with Mm Play-Doh. They could be coloring. You can tell them to maybe paint or draw what they see. Like as you're reading, Mm -hmm. paint and draw what you see. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, read the book and have them act out the parts. Like Mm -hmm. if there's onomatopoeia comes up in the book or, you know, something like that. You know, you hear a buzz. What's the buzz sound like? Or what's that roar sound like? What would you do? Let me hear it. And encourage them to be loud. Mm -hmm. Encourage the child in them. 
Right. And you know? that, that child in you. And mm-hmm. not only just t- physically getting a book to read a story, make up stories as you're re- going yeah. riding along. You know, we <laughs> we made up so many stories and about bears and about animals, about whatever. We lived in my my hometown and there was, I don't know if you know, a Maryland fried chicken. And there's this big chicken outside of Maryland fried chicken. And then okay. we had an ice cream place called Maggot Moves or whatever it was called. They had a big cow. And mm-hmm. my son would create stories about those two characters driving a car down the road and coming to his home and all those kind of things. Because I would instill storytelling into him. So it doesn't always just have to be a physical book. Create those fun times where you tell a story that makes it exciting and have the child to add on to your story. So that makes a difference too. Then once you all create that story, you know, verbally, then you can write it down. And what have you done? No, you become an author. Okay. So what was your journey like? Now we're now we're gonna pivot. We can stay on that. Okay, we got questions, right? Yeah, there are questions. <laughs> no, this is so good because parents watching, I feel like this is so encouraging. We'll give them motivation if they haven't started, they don't know where to start. I feel like this is the the episode for for them to for them to watch for so many reasons. And um, your experience just gives us just a wealth of knowledge um, as parents. And we just so appreciate that. Um, So how did your journey into authorship come about or writing children's books? Tell us about that. Well, it began over 30 years ago when I was in college taking Mm -hmm. my literacy class and we had to write a book for children for the class. And I was so excited. And I was like, you know what? And I've always loved to read. I was a book person. I mean, um, in high school, my joy on Friday nights was to get my Reader's Digest and read Reader's Digest. (laughs) Our Time Magazine. I always have loved to read. So creating that children's book gave me the spark that said, I'm going to be an author. And my professor at that time, Dr. Audrey Beard, I always have to give her a shout out. I tell her, I say, you just don't know what you ignited in me. And so I never, never stopped dreaming. I never stopped dreaming. I would keep a binder by my bed and I would jot down my notes for my books, you know, books for women, books for children that I wanted to write. And it just took years, you know, life happened, marriage, um, my first son, and then divorce, and then marriage, my second son, you know, and then just life. But when COVID came, and even before COVID, I, when, whenever I'm in the classroom, I'm always looking at books. When I go to Target, Walmart, whatever, I immediately go to the book section. Yeah. Book Million was always my favorite store with my sons. And so I'll always look at formats of books and say, you know, I can do this. I can write this book. I can write workbooks for children. You know, I'm flipping through workbooks that I'm using at school. I'm like, I can do this, you know? So um, when COVID came about last um, year, um, I decided it's time. It was time. So I was taking a couple of courses of how to begin writing your book. I was taking two, one for writing my book with women. I was working with a coach and one with writing the, on the book for children and taking the one for children. It's the guy just said, write your book. And I started writing. That was the first thing he started saying. Right. I had JR's biggest fan written in about 20 minutes. Mm. 20 minutes. And wow. I mean, not many edits or anything to it. Um, 
And I was so excited about it. And I had beta readers to read it. And, you know, we made changes here and there and got an editor and all those illustrators and all the, you know, moving parts that has to be done to finalize publication of the book. And I just could not stop then. My mind is always trying to, okay, what's the next book? What's next? And um, I published the book, Wait for Women, because I've always wanted to write that book about a story about my life. You know, but in my head, I was like, who wants to know about my life? But then why not? I did have some things to share that will help some women to unmask. And like I said, it led to, yes, I can, the coloring book. You know, like, okay, I'm saying I can. Let's do a coloring book for children. And like I say, Mommy's Little Sunshine, again, because I always call my sons My Little Sunshines. I say, okay, mm-hmm. let's write that book. And so that's just led to that uh, journey of being an author and just always wanting to do more. I have so many ready to unpack and to publish as well. So it's something I encourage everyone to do. You can be an author. I tell anyone that they can be an author. And I'm here to support people with that journey as well. Oh, so do you have uh, the the last thing you said, you're here to support people on that journey, just mm-hmm. like as encouragement or do you have a service that you offer? offer? I don't. You know, people yeah. tell me all the time you should provide a service and I, that is not a service I provide. Maybe later on next year I would provide it, but I'm an encourager. You know, and I, I, I like sharing sure. my wealth of knowledge with anyone else. So mm-hmm. I will, I've helped so many people, you know, tell them, this is what you do. Here's my illustrator. This is where you can find illustrators. Um, this is what you need to publish. This is how you do KDP. You know, just different things, the steps to do it. Because why not? Why not help someone? One of my quotes is, if I could help someone along the way, then my living won't be in vain. So no, it's not for money. That's not for monetary gain. That is just to help others, especially our authors of Black children's books, get them out there because yeah. they're really, really needed. So yeah, no, it's not a service. My parenting workshops are a service. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Well, I just wanted to quick show you guys where to find Dr. Sheila online. I do have a couple more questions for her. Um, I want to be mindful of your time. Do you have a couple minutes? I'm t- today's yours. Okay. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Cause we've already um, went over time just a bit, but I told her before we came on that I knew that this conversation was, was going to be great. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned um, uh, black books, getting Black authors out there. And that's one of the things that I'm really adamant about. Um, We do, we recommend all kinds of books in our group and on our platform, on our platforms, but we know that there is a deficit of Black authors in the traditional um, publishing world. And so whenever I have my ears on what is being published um, from traditional houses, traditional publishing houses, I put out a list every month um, uh, to to let parents know, like, you know, these are the new Black books that, that are coming out this month. And then we also do like a YouTube. Uh, I did one, one episode. I'm working on that, y'all. Mm-hmm. But one episode just, you know, these are new Black books. These are excellent books. This is how to use the books in your home. And I mentioned that because at first I struggled a bit because I did not want people to think that I only cared about Black books. And you have been so um, just stepping into your clubhouse room. I told y'all I met Dr. Schiller on Clubhouse and her room is for Black and Brown boys. And I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but, the, you know, I'm being transparent 
I was like, wow, she is so bold to really uh, just focus on just black and <laughs> black and brown boys. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, it's a mindset thing maybe, but um, I just, I don't even know what my question is, but I love <laughs> that you did that. Yeah. I, I, I know where you're coming from <clears throat> because I struggled with that. I struggled with niching down to just black and brown boys. Mm-hmm. And the reason I struggled because as an educator, you know, I, I know lots of people in different, you know, um, positions mm-hmm. and didn't want to ruffle any feathers. But then when you think of the statistics of our black and brown yeah. boys, and then as a parent, that's who I know, black and brown boys, that's who I've raised. And then in the schools, that's mostly who I work with. I work with 12 children right now and out of the 12, 10 are boys, little black boys, you know? So it's necessary work that I'm doing. I do parenting work with all parents. Mm -hmm. I want all children to be successful, but I am aware of my community and what's needed in my community. I live in South Georgia and there are a lot of issues in our, uh, in our area. Albany, Georgia is where I'm originally from. Then mm-hmm. now I'm in another town in Georgia where it's still issues with our black and brown boys. So I know what's needed. I don't know everything. No, I do not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and there's this thing we've always talking about the school to prison pipeline. And so I need to help dismantle that um, pipeline because we don't want our little black boys to go there. I speak with a lot of parents. I was just texting a parent a minute ago about her son and the things that he's needing. She's afraid that he's not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So when I'm hearing these things and I've been in the field of education so long and I know the numbers, I know the data, why not react and do something about it? Yeah. Yes. I want to support all parents, but I need to help where I, where my, where I know is most needed. And I know that's with our black and brown boys. So I hope that encourages you. It does. It does. And one of the, that really does encourage me. Um, Another thing, which is very, very much related to what you're saying is that encouraged me to just push forward and go ahead and do it is just thinking about, you know, I did a poll in our, in our group and in a couple other groups on Facebook for, for black moms Mm -hmm. and just ask them, you know, what kinds of things do you do uh, for for your children as far as development? And if you're not reading as much as you would like to your kids, what is, what is the reason why? Mm-hmm. And the numbers were very high for mm-hmm. parents who were willing to get black moms who were willing to get their kids um, tutoring, mm-hmm. um, go up to the school to support their kids, um, just do so many different things in order to push their children forward. But the numbers for reading to their children were low. Mm-hmm. And the reason, one of the main reasons, pricing, which, you know, is something that we mm-hmm. can't really do nothing about, right. but pricing. Right. <laughs> and then my kids are not in these books, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I don't take for granted that I have um, an ear down, you know, to the publishing world, especially indie and self-publishing. And so there's a plethora of Mm -hmm. black and, you know, um, all kinds of races represented in books and in self-publishing. But in the traditional publishing world, when our families are walking into Walmart and Target and Barnes and Noble, they are not seeing a plethora of black books. So Mm -hmm. I want to give them to you. I want to show you that they are here and these are the books. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the things that really pushed me forward. And 
definitely the encouragement that you that you just gave is something that'll keep me going. So thank you for that selfish ask. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 not at all. We help each other. Um, And advocacy, you know, you mentioned, you know, parents going to the schools, you know, and that's another thing. And I know it's a little bit off topic, but um, teaching those parents about being an advocate for their children and a reader and, and, you know, and teaching them those different things so they can speak up for themselves. But as a parent, you must learn to speak up for your child by saying, yes, my little Eric can read. Yes, my James can't. He likes doing things this way. So teaching parents also to be an advocate for their children and encourage them to be successful. So I'm glad you mentioned that that piece as well. So that's another thing that I do with parents, you know, is teaching them to advocate for themselves and um, learn the basics of um, communication with the teachers and with the schools when they go out for those parent conferences or not even a parent conference. The first day your child enters the school will say, Hey, this is my son. These are the things we do at home. These are my expectations. I want to build this relationship with you. This is how much you're reading. What books does he need to read? What milestones should he hit at a certain age? So those are the things that I want parents to be able to do for their young sons. And that's awesome. And that's wonderful that you provide that service because I know that while many of these parents are willing to go up to the schools and, and things like that, they don't know what to ask or they don't know how to, to how to communicate. Now just to give a, a small example, which is which is I would say strongly related. I remember when um, when I was pregnant with Aiden, I was going to a doctor. So I'm originally from New Jersey, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in, in Camden, New Jersey. After college, I moved to Princeton, New Jersey, and that's where um, I was pregnant with Aiden. And I had a, an OBGYN that gave me a plethora of information about what to do, what not to do. At the time, I had a a, a friend who was also pregnant, still living in Camden, and um, she did not have an access to that same information. Mm -hmm. And she went through her pregnancy just not knowing what to do, Googling everything, asking different um, people who were not doctors. And so there's this, there's a, uh, there's a gap Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. depending on the color of your skin, where you live, your demographic, of information that's available for you. So when you run into these people like Dr. Sheila, who is able, has the experience and can tell you, this is how you approach it. This is what you ask. I have this information for you. I mean, that is gold. Right. That is gold because we see it every day. The lack mm-hmm. of information resources in our community. And those biases against our, you know, the, the black boys and black sons, they're mm-hmm. there. It's real. It's real, you know, the biases, the stereotypes, you know, um, and I'll tell this quick story about what happened with my son. I may have mentioned it in one of my clubhouse rooms when we moved to the city we're living in now. And I introduced him to his teacher mm-hmm. and the words to from his teacher was, oh, OK, nice to meet him. Can he read? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was really taken aback. But I handle it. My husband was like, "Uh oh, let's let's go. Uh oh, she's about to tear this building down." But no, I was very professional <laughs> with my response. Good night. 
I said, oh, not only can he read, he scored this level on the Georgia Milestones. And he just attended this um, science um, conference in, in Atlanta at Emory University and this and that. So, yes, he can read, you know, so I had to let him know who he was working with. So there are a lot of biases and stereotypes that, yes, parents need to know about and be able to communicate and handle it. If I wasn't a professional or an educator or an or a child of God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. That's a big yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have handled that differently, but I knew how to address that. And so my work is to, you know, to close that literacy gap and even offering here in my city at the homeless center, my husband and I, we have a free little library here for parents that we're stewards of. Yeah, we we got a newspaper rack and we decorated and he and I go on a date once a week. Okay. <laughs> to restock it and make sure it's clean. And, you know, because we want to make sure that parents as well as their children have access to books at the homeless center, as well as the neighborhood. So I'm walking the walk as well, because anyway, I can help our children and, and all children, but specifically our black and brown boys to be successful in their parents. That is my work that I want to do. Okay. Okay. Wow. You're doing so much in our, in our community. Um, I want to wrap this up by talking, asking you if there's anything else that you want to share about your book. Well, and with the book, JR's Biggest Fan, um, (laughs) I love my little book here. (laughs) I love all my books. But um, that book also is written for um, ages three to eight. There is a lesson plan that I've developed for pre-K teachers and it can be tailored, you know, for other grade levels as well. So I did, if teachers are interested in that book, it is a great tool to teach, you know, of course, rhyming words and um, are of course, for students to see themselves in the story. So there's so many skill sets that can be taught from this little book. And then, like I say, Mommy's Little Sunshine, I just, I'm just loving this little book. The little illustrations are just so much fun. So it's just the journey of being an author. I'm still sometimes in all like, my names are on those books, you know, <laughs> but it's just letting everyone know that you can do it. If you dream it, you can do it. Just believe it and set your mind to do it and just mm-hmm. execute, execute yeah. it. And that's what we have to tell our children that they can do it. But we have to help them, what we call an education scaffold and hold their little hands and release it just a little bit along the way. But don't ever let go all the way. You cannot. Like I said, my 17 year old is calling me, mom, you know, I need this help. You continue to support your children. So if anyone's listening who have older children, middle school or um, high schoolers, continue to be a part of their education and a part of their school and continue to reach out to those teachers. Let them know I'm interested in what he's learning. I'm a part of it. No, he's not an adult. And even when he becomes an adult, you still have to be a part of it. When my son went out to college, when he was at Morehouse, I was there. California, I was there, you know, trying to find out what was going on. So continue to be a part of it. He's 30 now, so I can't, you know, be as engaged. He has, he has a wife. <laughs> oh, I got some offline questions about that. I want to know. I want to know how that was for you. <laughs> She's beautiful. I love my daughter-in-law. I love her. She's sweet. I'm blessed to have a daughter-in-law that um, that I can speak with and talk to. So that's that's a blessing. But that's good. yeah, yeah, I had to let him go. 
Yeah. No, it was hard. I know it was hard yet and still. It was hard. It was hard. Yes, it was. That's my baby. That's my firstborn child. Yeah, and, and this is the son that um you do the clubhouse room, right? Yes, yes, yes. He you know, when he's he's so busy, but um he does the clubhouse room with me. He's a college professor at Albany State, the Albany State University. Gotta put that plug in. Um at HBCU. <laughs> but he's a professor. He didn't attend, but he is representing, he works here in the um Criminal, the criminal justice department yeah. um, over there teaching classes. And as a matter of fact, he ran for mayor a couple of years ago for the city okay. of Albany. Yeah. So he's done for some wonderful things. And um, his dad and I, although we're, you know, we were divorced, we've always pushed him to be successful and we continue to embrace him. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, my youngest son as well, we um, push him. And my stepson and my, uh, my uh, grandson, um, we encouraged him so much. So we're just, we just love our boys. It's just a thing. And, you know, people say when I'm at a vendor's event, you don't have anything for girls. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a boy mom. I'm a boy <laughs> mom. Okay. You can read the book to girls. Yes, they can too. But no, I'm a boy mom. <laughs> I love it. And I loved having you here with us today. I want to um, encourage you all to go over to Dr. Sheila's website. Excuse me. <clears throat> We've been talking a while, right? Yes, I have mine here too. So, <laughs> <laughs> I want to encourage you all to go over to Dr. Sheila's website, drsheilathomas.com. I'll leave that up there for a bit. And then you can also find her on Instagram and you go live sometimes on your Instagram, correct? Yes, every now and then. <laughs> okay, every now and then at Thomas <laughs> Consulting. But she is like one of the hardest working women in general, but on Clubhouse as well. So make sure I didn't even put that information up here. Um, but she does have a room and I'll put it, I'll link it in the description of this video when it airs. Okay. Um, and um, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. Yes, I enjoyed. I just encourage all parents to um, be your child's biggest fan. They need you. Be their biggest fan. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.